hello, hello. This is the Critcast, a casual movie review podcast, and I'm Ross. Here at the Critcast, we like to think that movies and film can be both art and entertainment. What do you know? It's possible for a movie to be just a good popcorn fun flick, as well as a proper artistic expression with emotion and depth, assuming that, you know, that the movie makers were even given the slightest shit that day. And today, we'll be reviewing a movie that I believe best illustrates that film philosophy here at the Critcast. Disney's Marvel's James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. In Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, we follow the continuing space adventures of the crew of the Millennium Falcon when Andy Dwyer finds out that his long-lost father, Snake Plissken, he'll need to choose between his new bearded family and his old, unbearded family, which consists of a greener version of Neytiri, a funnier version of The Rock, a wood version of the Iron Giant, and Rocket Raccoon. Together with a blue robot assassin lady, James Gunn's brother, and Space Michael Rooker, they'll all copy the plot of the Fast and the Furious by learning the true meaning of family. But in all seriousness, I enjoyed Guardians 2. In fact, I may have even loved it. And I liked it for much the same reason that I loved Logan. It was a generally smaller, more personal story that just so happened to take place in a more fantastical universe with superpowers and larger-than-life characters. Because... You know, for all the flash and color and explosions that a movie can have, and those are certainly draws of the Marvel movies, they aren't the reason we keep coming back to see them after 15 fucking movies. All the colors and quips get us to see one of those movies, but it's the characters, the motions, and the relationships uh, that keep us coming back. Especially if we get to see some growth and evolution of those characters and their situations. And luckily enough, that is exactly the kind of thing James Gunn is is good at, and he demonstrates that well by being both the writer and director of Guardians 2. And, as an aside, I think it's super important for a movie to be written and directed by the same person, or at the very least, written by as few people as possible. When a committee starts messing around with the script, we end up with tonally inconsistent stories that lack a strong central thematic throughline, or at least... A movie whose tones don't match up with one another. When we get producers stapling all sorts of dumb, market-tested bullshit onto the script, we get things like Suicide Squad or Amazing Spider-Man 2. But with a strong, written and directorial voice like James Gunn or Joss Whedon or Taika Waititi, we get a movie that knows what it wants to be and how it will execute on that. Uh, And I feel that James Gunn is right at home writing smaller, personal stories that take place in and around weirder circumstances. Hell, it's it's basically what he's been doing since he got his start in Troma Entertainment. He's a workhorse writer and director that puts characters first. Characters that get us hooked and generally makes us give a shit about what's happening in the movie and why. And if you want to see a smaller scale version of how he does that in Guardians 2, I suggest you try and see these uh, 2010 movies super. In both Super and Guardians 2, we have the superhero plot of a group of people trying to do their superhero thing. Though it's to different degrees, of course. In Super, it's Rain Wilson and Ellen Page bludgeoning bad guys in the middle of the street. In Guardians 2, it's the Guardians trying to save the galaxy again. But in both movies, it's more or less about dysfunctional, less-than-perfect people finding some amount of solace and happiness in each other. That's really it. The only thing that separates these kinds of movies from more oscar baity movies is the amount of CGI, action, and maybe even the pretentiousness, pretentiousness they bring to the table. To elaborate, 
Guardians 2 basically boils down to a bunch of interweaving character vignettes where we get to see these cool, funny, interesting characters talk and interact with each other in a way that beefs up their personalities and histories. Moments like those have always been the best parts of the MCU movies. Like in the first Guardians, where they all just sat around in a big circle talking about their problems before the big final battle. That was like the best scene in that movie. And Guardians 2 is just full of those kinds of moments. We get to see a picture of the relationship Gamora and Nebula had while they were being raised by Thanos, and how it now affects their current relationship. We get to see Rocket and Yondu develop a whole lot as characters in a way that they might be labeled as damaged goods, imparting a ton of emotional weight uh, into the pair of characters that could have easily just been written off as quirky, jokey characters. I mean, one of those is a freaking raccoon, but he carries a lot of the emotion, especially in the last half of the movie. We get to the depth, uh, the hidden depths of Drax, who seems mostly as a jokey character. But between him and Mantis, who are a great comic duo in their own right, and with their own lines, we get to see a lot of development between those two. And we also get to see Star-Lord be torn between his real biological family and the family he made with the Guardians, which serves as the central pillar around which the whole story and plot revolves, without focusing entirely on him. And I feel it's to the movie's credit that despite having around nine characters that are developed across this two-plus-hour movie, it doesn't feel bloated or overly long at all. Everyone gets their piece, everyone gets their moment, and it all coalesces together in the end with a payoff of just about every character. Granted, uh, the third act suffers from the usual Marvel problem of feeling almost entirely plot-driven for the sake of action, and it drops most of the emotional weight, but I feel that's a small problem since it gets right back to the good emotional stuff afterwards and ends on a real nice heavy note. Now, you probably noticed that I haven't touched much else on in the movie besides the characters and emotions they have. Well, that's because that's what I gave most of a shit about. Not that the rest of the movie is bad, not by a long shot. The jokes and the quips are as great as ever, with special shoutouts to Mantis and Drax for the way they bounce off of each other like a couple of alien weirdos. The action is good, but I've been spoiled by movies like Mad Max Fury Road and John Wick, so superhero CGI action doesn't really do it for me. I don't hate it, like some other poor cynical bastards anyway, but I don't know, it just doesn't do it for me. Uh, James Gunn's choice of songs are as great and eclectic as, as ever though there might have been a few too many needle drops for my taste. But all that stuff is just for the momentary high or excitement that's expected of these kinds of movies. The, the thing that sticks with you and the thing that any good story should put as a priority is characters. There's an umbrella phrase that I like to use when it comes to generating engagement or interest in an, in an audience of a particular work, and it's called giving a shit. I know it's not the most sophisticated phrase, but... It encapsulates the idea that you ha that get to almost any to get almost anything to work in a story or a piece, you need to make the audience give a shit. That means building meaningful, interesting characters with interesting interactions and reactions with other characters and situations. Note that I didn't say they, say they need to be likable or realistic. Those qualities are optional. Just get me interested in them and what they're doing and why they're doing it. And how they're going to do it. From there, you can do practically anything because I'll care, and I might even forgive minor leaps in logic or missteps in plotting. So many movies 
take my care and interest for granted. They set up situations where I'm supposed to care about Hero Man and Lady Plot Device because they're just in trouble or in danger, but I don't know them, and I don't care about these people. Sure, they're in a, a dangerous situation, but I don't care why they're there, and I don't really give a shit if they get out on the other side uh, or wanting to see, other than wanting to see them for the rest of the movie. I'm not asking for every character to have some kind of complex and tragic backstory. Remember that. I don't need them to have broken relationships or be abused or anything like that. But I do ask that I spend some time getting to know them and their motivations beyond the simple mechanics of the plot. In Guardians 2, yes, the plot is mostly about saving the galaxy again and defeating the bad guys. But the story, the actual thing I care about, is about how and why the Guardians managed to stay together in spite of all their flaws and failings. But all of that means in a greater thematic sense. In this case, spoiler, spoiler, it's kind of about the family you choose as opposed to the family you got. And how it's better to stick with people who understand and care about you as opposed to people who simply are related to you. It's that kind of smaller personal story that always interests me way more than big explodey action or huge mythic narratives with no emotional foundation. But since you got the smaller story right, I'm up for doing all kinds of dumb action and comedy bullshit. I care about Star-Lord's desire to find a family. So I care about his relationship with Gamora and Yondu and everything that happens between them. I care about Rocket, so I really, really care when dark things start coming out of him and the actions he takes at the end of the movie. I care about Gamora and Nebula, so their fight scenes carry a little bit more weight. I care about all these characters. So it's then possible to end the movie on a somber, slower, more downbeat note uh, than you'd expect in a big, wacky space adventure. And it all works. It all works really well. And it was only possible because I gave a shit about these characters. I feel that's most important. It doesn't matter if you're making a big blockbuster superhero movie or a smaller one. Just make me give a shit about these characters. I'll be along for the ride. So... As you can probably see by now, I would definitely give a big old recommendation to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It's fun, funny, exciting, and has the guts to take some emotional risks that I think pay off in a big way. I also think it's a great indicator of the direction that the MCU will be taking from here on out. Considering this this movie, the new Spider-Man, the new Thor movie, which is directed by Taika Waititi of all people, and Black Panther being directed by Ryan Coogler, who... I think is a great young director going places. I think the future of the MCU is looking to lean on its characters and its unique directorial voices, at least from here on, in some capacity. The only problem I see is that they've kind of written themselves into a plot-centric corner with Thanos and all that Infinity Stone nonsense because it needs to be incorporated into all these movies. Uh, but hopefully all these good directors and writers can find a way to work the shared universe into their movies without compromising their own stories too much. Uh, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. And until then, we here at the Cast will be looking forward to enjoying everything they have to offer and tearing it all apart with an eye for art and our entertainment. Y'all have a good day now.